Hello and uh, welcome to my home. In fact, this is my study uh, at the bottom of our garden and I'm, I'm here on my own with my iPhone. I know that some of you will be alone right now in your homes. Others of you, perhaps you'll be with family or with those who live with you. Wherever you are, uh, I, as I invite you into my study here, I want to thank you so much for inviting me into your home or wherever it is that you're watching this from. I count it as an enormous privilege, you know, to be with you today. And I'm especially pleased you're with us if you have never actually been to our church. This is all rather new for me as it is for you. And where I would normally be standing with a lectern, you know, I, I thought it more appropriate, as I'm probably in your living room, that I would actually be sitting down, but I do still need my notes. And so that's what's going on if you see me looking down. I've got my bread, I've got my glass of juice ready uh, to celebrate the Lord's Supper with you. I hope you've got something there too. If not, it's not too late just to pop into the kitchen, just find anything fluid, anything solid, and come back and join us. This is a really, really challenging time, isn't it? You know, my heart goes out to all of you who are struggling. Perhaps it's the pressure of juggling working from home now and homeschooling children at the same time or is financial pressure. Some of you are leading institutions, you're leading businesses, you're having to make decisions which carry huge significance for the lives of others. Some of you, perhaps you're ill or loved ones are ill, maybe even with the coronavirus. Some of you are key workers and you're really feeling the strain and the pressure upon you. Whatever it is, I pray that you will know the Lord's comfort and assurance that he is with you in it. We recently began a series we called Acts from Acts and we want to grow in becoming more like what is described about the early church in that wonderful book. If you've missed any of the talks they're available on the website. If you've never read the book of Acts I really would encourage you to do so and if you don't have a Bible then uh, you can read it or even have it read to you using a Bible app. So we've been looking at a little paragraph in chapter 2 of the book of Acts, which describes the first church, the church in Jerusalem. Let me turn to it, Acts 2, beginning at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They met in the temple courts in large settings and in their homes in smaller settings. They, they got together really wherever they could get together. We can no longer meet in the large setting of the warehouse, our equivalent to the temple courts. And we can no longer meet up in homes, you know, because of the social distancing restrictions, which we are absolutely, of course, needing to follow. So we're getting together wherever we can get together. Technology means that here on Sundays, there are actually thousands of us here together through these online services. Uh, Midweek, through tools like Zoom, our small groups are getting together. 
I just want to hone in on a five-word phrase at the beginning of verse 44, which says this, all the believers were together. And as I thought about it, I asked the question, what does that word together mean? I looked at a few other Bible translations whose choice of English words draw out a couple of meanings of that phrase. One meaning is that they were together, they were close relationally. All the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, says one's translation. Another, they continued together in close fellowship. Another says, were united. Rather like in chapter 4 and verse 32, just a couple of pages on, all the believers were one in heart and mind, were together, united in relationships and one in purpose. A second meaning is that they stayed connected to one another. So these trans three translations I'm just going to read say this, they stayed together, kept together, kept meeting together. I think both emphases are so important in this time that we make every effort to remain united in close fellowship and in harmony with one another, united in our call and in our mission, and also that we stay connected as we continue to meet together as we are today here online. I came across the Tyndale Bible translation written in about 1520, uh, almost exactly 500 years ago, and therefore in Old English, and it says this, all that believed kept themselves together. I love the way that sounds. I'd like to remember that phrase, as I would encourage you to. All that believed kept themselves together. That's all we, let's do all we can to keep ourselves together with each other. It reminds me of the television advert for Prudential about 30 years ago with a couple on the sofa when the guy says, we want to be together. And as amusing as it might have been in that ancient advert, it isn't a joke. We may be scattered physically, but it is so important to be together. Debbie and I were FaceTiming this week with a friend who told us that because she's in her early 70s, she has to keep socially distanced from her granddaughter who lives next door. And they were out taking a walk. They were separated by at least six feet as they did so. And her four-year-old granddaughter said something really quite profound. We are separated, but not divided. Today we are separated. We're scattered all over Nottinghamshire, all over the UK and, and beyond. And we're physically distanced from each other, but we're not divided. We are united and we are connected. I'm reminded of something which is written in a letter, a letter to the Jewish believers in Jerusalem, the church described in Acts chapter 2, a few years later when they were facing disruption to their lives through persecution. It's the letter to the Hebrews, probably going into the temple courts, invoked negative attention from the Jews who were opposed to Christianity. Perhaps they were facing financial hardships as their businesses were boycotted. And on top of all the pressures going on, you know, just going out to eat together in each other's homes required commitment, it required effort. And so in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, 
Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Evidently, some people were getting out of the habit of meeting together. And the writer could see the potential negative ramifications of this drift. He exhorts them to keep meeting together, keep spurring one another on, keep encouraging one another. Let's do all we can to spur one another on, to encourage one another, so that we are able to then encourage others who are around us. It's so important at times like this to keep together. There's a deliberate action here. Keeping together takes commitment. The writer of the Hebrews says, let us consider. Let us consider. Let us pay attention to how we spur one another on, how we meet together, how we encourage one another. Earlier this week, I joined with many other leaders on a webinar call with uh, Dr. Henry Cloud, who's a psychologist, a prolific author, an expert in leadership. And his insights were so helpful in understanding what is happening psychologically to us in a time like this. He said that in a crisis like the one we're all facing, people's two main needs are for connection and for structure. Connection and structure. The foundation of human functioning, he said, is our sense of connectedness. A crisis like this disrupts. We can no longer see those we normally see. We can no longer meet with those who we normally share life with. And we can so easily become isolated and disconnected. And so we can so easy, easily also sorry, lose structure. He said that a sense of routine, a sense of rhythm, is so important. It calms the sense of disorder and it reduces stress levels. It will be so easy in these times when our normal routines and rhythms are just evaporated, you know, just no longer in place, to find ourselves losing habits that have been actually really helpful in sustaining us. It's one of the reasons that we are streaming the service at our normal service times, 9.15, 11.15, and seven, rather than just uploading it so that you can dip in whenever you fancy. We want to share this experience together and make it a routine of coming together. During worship, even though the worship time was pre-recorded before the government restrictions came into place, we are worshipping together. As we look at God's Word, we are engaging with it together. As we pray, we are praying together. So, if you've got children, we'd encourage you, help them with that routine to connect with the, our Trent Kids YouTube channel and the resources emailed out to you. If you've got young people, get them plugged into Trent Youth virtual hangouts and the Instagram activities that are going on for them during the week. You can go to our web website to find out more details on those. And I would encourage you to be with us, and more often than perhaps ever before. You know, previously where you've, you've travelled at weekends to see friends and family and therefore you've missed church, well, I'm guessing you won't be travelling. Where many of you have had jobs, which meant you were wor working on Sundays, some of you will no longer be doing that. Or if perhaps you walk to church and if when it's raining you think, well, perhaps I'll, I'll stay in, well, the weather's not going to prevent you from tuning in. So let me encourage you to be here together and every week 
if possible. Some of you don't normally go to church and uh, we're thrilled that you're with us today. This is a great time to make joining us online on a Sunday's a new habit, which will help bring a little structure to your week. We're particularly mindful of key workers who may not be able to engage with us actually on a Sunday, so we'll be making our services available to people who fit into that category. Instructions will be sent out to those in the church that we have email addresses for, and also they'll be posted on the updates page. Small groups are continuing to meet together uh, through tools like Zoom. And again, I would encourage you to be there. Just be there every week if you can. We're aware that many of you uh, are part of Trent and you're not yet connected to a small group. And so if this is your church and you're already in a group, or sorry, you're not already in a group, we'd lo just love to invite you to join one of our new online connect groups, which we're in the process of creating. If you're interested, stay with us to the end of the service when details of how to connect will be given. So back to Acts chapter 2, verse 46 says this, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. In groups and families, when they met up, they ate together and they remembered Jesus as they broke bread together. This is now what we remember through what is called the Lord's Supper. And the Apostle Paul wrote about this symbolic meal in this way. This is in his letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 23. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. We do this in remembrance of Jesus. The Greek word there, anamnesis, is translated remembrance, to remember. The English word remember now really means to recall, and it really doesn't capture the full impact of that word. Its root meaning is the opposite of being dismembered. To be remembered means to be joined back together. In the Lord's Supper, we not only remember what Jesus did for us on the cross in the sense of recalling his sacrifice for us, reminding ourselves of his death, but, but something profoundly deeper. Just as the bread is broken as a symbol, Jesus' body was broken on the cross. What happened there could be described as a dismembering. And that dismembering means that we can now be remembered to him, joined to him, becoming one with him. Not just in the initial experience of coming to Christ, but letting go of the sinful and distracting things which draw us away from Jesus. In taking the Lord's Supper, we become freshly joined with him, remembered with him. And today, as we celebrate this meal together, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, you wouldn't say you were yet joined to Jesus, but want to take a step towards connecting with him. I'm inviting you to join us. And there's a further level of remembering in what we're about to do. We, the church, we are the body of Christ. And in this season, we are in many ways separated from one another. There's geographical distance. 
between us. And as a body, we might feel a bit dismembered. What we're doing as we celebrate the Lord's Supper is remembering. The members of Christ's body, us, are coming together, recognizing that in Jesus, we are one, one body. And so there are three kinds of remembering going on here. We remember as we recall what Jesus did for us. We remember with Jesus, connect afresh with him or even connect for the first time. And we remember with each other. And so as we celebrate the Lord's Supper now, although we're not physically together, we are through this meal joined and connected with each other. So as we take this, you might like to take the bread if that's what you're using. And perhaps if you're with a small group, you know, in your home, your family, you might like to break a piece off and take it for yourself and just hold on to that. This is the body of Christ broken for you. And then if you have a glass of something, a cup of something, you're either alone as I am or with those you're with, just dip that in the juice or whatever it is you're in your glass and then just take that and eat it. Let's stay connected. Not just in Sundays or in small groups, but you know, if you have friends who are not connected, who are maybe feeling isolated, they may be lonely, maybe they live next door, or maybe indeed they live a hundred miles away. Maybe even today, drop them a text, give them a call, have a, have a video chat, invite them to maybe even join us here at one of our Sunday services. Just because we're in our own homes doesn't mean we can't connect, perhaps even more than we normally do. Remember that sweet little phrase from 500 years ago from Tyndale's translation. All that believed kept themselves together. Let's do all we can to keep ourselves together at this time. As we come towards the end of our time together, I'd love to pray for you, and uh, you might like to adopt a, a posture of just being open to receive. Let's pray together. Lord, we welcome your presence. We invite you to come right now and minister to each and every one of us in the unique way that each of us needs your touch. We pray that your perfect love would melt away fear. Whatever it is that you want to bring before the Lord, go ahead, just name that in your heart. He's listening.
Thank you, Lord, for your passionate love for us. That you're with us in the midst of the storm. Let me finish with a blessing from the Bible written nearly three and a half thousand years ago. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.